You're listening to the Trace Church Rock Rimmon podcast. Well, good morning. Uh, this whole thing is weird. Can we just acknowledge that? Um, I wish I could see your faces today, but I love that you're with your families. I love that you're gathered at home today. And um, I was just thinking last week, as, as I attended Trace's service, I attended outside, the birds were chirping, and I'm literally, I'm asking strange questions like, is it okay that I'm eating a pizza bagel right now? Like, is that okay during church? Like, during worship, do I sing? Are my neighbors cool with that? Like, it's just a strange time. Can we admit that? Like, what an odd time it is in our world. Now, I know that we've lost a lot. I know that we have to grieve a lot. I know that you're sitting on the couch today. You're sitting at your kitchen table today. You're watching this later. And this is real. I mean, these emotions are real. The fears are real, all that. But it's kind of good to laugh at ourselves a little bit during this time. So as I think about quarantine, I think about some of these memes like, anyone tired of Zoom calls yet? Yeah, okay. So that, like, do I have to dress up for this one today? Can we go audio only? Um, And and this, uh, some of you guys got haircuts this week, and you're just tired of it. And obviously, I grabbed a quick haircut this week. You're tired of it, and finally, like, okay, here we go. And then, of course, you wake up, and you're like, yep, same thing. Same thing as yesterday. And I want to remind you today that God is always doing a new thing. God is about newness. And I sense a newness right now that God is bringing. And I sense a deep humility that we are forced to learn right now. I have said these three words, I don't know, more in this season than I have probably in the last two years. And so I want to ask you to lean in today. I want to ask you as you're having your cup of coffee, as you're sitting with your family on the couch, as you're consuming this later, I want to ask you to lean in to this message. I think it's personal and it deeply matters in this time. Um, We've all lost something. And maybe it it feels silly to even admit this. I was out on a walk with my wife and it was so helpful for us just to name, here's what we've lost. And a couple of things for us. We're saying we've lost normalcy that we were so comfortable with. We've lost spring and summer plans that we were excited about. We've lost finances in our business. We've lost momentum in our work and in our lives, in our growth. Whatever that is, name that, grieve that. God knows, he sees, and he can handle it more than we can. And the the truth is, part of quarantine has been nice. It's really hard, and I hate that people are losing life and losing business and struggling in, in different ways. I know it's tough on mental health, but I'm going to choose to be gracious to other people. Other people have been gracious to me. I'm going to choose to thank God for the things he's brought. The simplicity has been pretty amazing. Honestly, this is my quarantine uniform. Like I wear it each day, maybe some sweatpants included in this. And I literally put on a collared shirt today. And I thought, eh, who am I trying to impress? You guys are sitting on the couch today. That's been glorious to think about the simplicity of that. I don't miss driving. I don't miss some of the stress and the hurry and the busyness of this season. Now, I know that we've traded that for some other things. But I asked this question this week, and I thought it was really interesting. I asked it on social media, and, and I said, what one thing or what one trait do you wish all leaders had? And overwhelmingly, so many of the responses said two things, humility and empathy. 
humility and empathy. And I think we would have gotten a different answer if I asked that six months ago. But it was, it was amazing to me. So many people said humility and empathy. Somebody said this, putting the needs of the community over their own interest. Like people are hungry right now for humility, for humble leaders to say those three words, I don't know. Now, humility and empathy are connected, but a little bit different. Humility says you are more important than I am. You are more important than I am like that posture of service. But empathy says, I put my needs aside to care deeper about yours. Humility leads to empathy. But it's helpful to say in this season, we need to be humbled. And we have been humbled. This season has been humbling, right? Our nation of control freaks, me included, get to say, I I don't know. I don't know what is next. I don't know what is proper in this time. I don't know what I should say to someone. I don't even know when somebody says, how are you doing? I don't even know how to answer that question. Do you? Uh, It's complicated for all of us. I don't know. Guys, if we thought we had a lot of control going into this, suddenly we realize we have so little control. There's things God's asked us to steward and then everything else, I don't know. And, And I just want to invite you, during this next season, to continue to say that. Say that with me. It is so encouraging for me to go, I don't actually control the world. Turns out God's spinning it just fine on his finger without me. I don't know. And Paul, we meet him in this season of I don't know. He doesn't know how bad it's going to be. And as Josiah talked last week, he's in house arrest. It's bad. And it could be really, really bad. He's on death row saying, I don't know. I don't know what the outcome will be. And he's writing out of insecurity, and yet there's strangely this deep security in his words that he writes with. There's this mysterious joy that's sort of bubbling out of him that doesn't make sense in an I don't know season. Guys, here's what I know. Our circumstances determine our emotions, but our attitude determines our actions. You are feeling hard emotions right now. Confusing, disorienting emotions. Admit that. Grieve the things you have lost. You are disappointed. And that's human. And yet, I want to call you to lean in. Because if we have an attitude right now, not not of all that we have lost, but of what's the opportunity in this? What are we grateful for in this? Then imagine how our actions can change and can impact others. That's what I hear from Paul. Now, listen to this. This talks about Paul in this book. Eugene Peterson says, Paul doesn't tell us we can be happy or how to be happy. He is simply and unmistakably happy. I think it's really interesting. He chooses to say happy instead of joyful, but he is unmistakably happy. What in the world? He's writing from a really hard, I don't know, season where he should be struggling. None of his circumstances contribute to his joy. He wrote from a jail cell. His work was under attack by competitors. And after 20 years or so of hard traveling in the service of Jesus, he was tired and would have welcomed some relief. He's not writing out of what he's lost or what he's uncertain of. He's writing out of what he knows about God. And I just want to confess to you guys this. 
I'm ashamed to say that many of my actions and my attitudes each day are more based on whether I think I'm, whether I think I'm winning at work or at home than they are based on what God has done for me. And that's freeing to admit that. I wrestle with that. When someone says, how was your day? Many times that has 100% to do with how I quote unquote did at work, how things are quote unquote going at home and not what God has done. So this letter has been centering for me. This letter has been grounding for me. It's been so helpful. Guys, joy is rare these days, isn't it? Like when you meet somebody who's really joyful, we're kind of skeptical, right? Like, what's up with that guy? What's up with her? Like, I don't know, man. Just like a little too like camp counselor-y for me. Like a little bit too cheesy, right? Listen to this. David Brooks, popular columnist, says, our society has become a conspiracy against joy. A conspiracy against joy. Guys, joy is counterintuitive. Chase happiness and it will slip through your fingers. Stay focused on loving and serving others and joy just shows up. Joy is not the aim, it is a byproduct of loving well. Guys, joy and humility are linked. Joy and humility are deeply linked and Paul shares that with us. You guys ever been humbled by somebody who's struggling way worse than you? I had one of those moments this week. There's a guy that I've gotten to know a little bit in this season and actually spent some time with just before uh, COVID broke out and we knew that this would be a, a massive deal. And uh, we got some time on the phone the other day and, and I called him and said, how are you doing? He said, well, better now. I lost weight and I was struggling pretty bad. For 11 days, his fever didn't break. He was in quarantine in his house. His wife would like, you know, slip food under the door and get out of the way. He was feeling so bad that he couldn't really consume anything during that time. And naturally, I just said, so what did you do for 11 days? I said, I prayed. God put people on my mind and I would just write them down and pray for them. 300 people later, his fever broke. And now he's sending videos to those people and just saying the prayers that have been on his mind and heart. And then he says to me, so how are you doing? Uh, after that, I'm doing just fine, okay? Like, Everything's all right compared to that. And that's kind of Paul's story right here. These followers of Jesus in Philippi are thinking, we need to be praying for Paul, and yet Paul is praying for them. There's this deep gratitude, this joy. I would encourage you to read through the whole chapter this week. Sit on it, meditate on it, read it in a different translation so that if, if you've read it too much, then it's fresh to you. So I want to read this in some different passages or some different paraphrases today that are fresh to us. Paul's letters, building on that deep joy from chapter one, he is going to talk about humility, something that our world is getting doused in right now. He says this, this is chapter two, verse 18. Whatever you do, do not feel sorry for me. Isn't that an interesting thing? That, that many times he's saying, well, I know that the natural result would you be you feeling sorry for me. And he's saying, don't do it. Don't feel sorry for me but let's get into the rest of the chapter. He says, if you've gotten anything at all out of following Christ, if his love has made any difference in your life, if being in a community of the spirit means anything to you, if you have a heart, if you care, then do me a favor. Agree with each other. Love each other. Be deep-spirited friends. What has quarantine revealed about your relationships? 
What has quarantine revealed about your relationships? Some of you are listening and saying, man, I just miss people so much. It's great to shoot people a text. It's great to Zoom or FaceTime. I just miss people. Maybe you have deep relationships. Others, you may be saying, quarantine's revealed I don't really have good relationships. I don't have people that I pray for and can pray for me. I just know for me, guys, I have loved family time. I mean, every night's family night, and it's been amazing to just shut my laptop at the end of the day, and we're going to eat long dinners together. We're going to have the beauty and the chaos of family time, right? Can, can I get an amen to that? Like, it's, it's madness. I'm not going to pretend that it's perfect, but I've loved it. I've loved these times together, and to say, man, this is so rare for us. Paul goes on, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. Guys, here's the one thing today. In a me-first culture, we are longing for others-first people. Guys, in a me-first culture, that's normal. That's the culture. There's nothing different in a me-first world about being about me, and yet... People are yearning, so hungry for people that are about others. And Trace, let me encourage you. You are doing this so well right now. I hear the stories of that. Now, adopting Mark Twain Elementary and serving those families. Incredible. I want to brag on Aaron. You guys lead pastor here for just a minute. I saw this on social media this week. A little birdie reported this about Aaron. So I'm going to go ahead and embarrass him on this. He said, the head pastor of my church is making front yard house visits to pray, visit, and and show that he cares for us. Of all the impactful sermons I've ever heard from every pastor or teacher throughout my life, this act of love stands out as the biggest. Aaron, proud of you, man. Thanks for modeling this so well to us. By the way, his 17th anniversary, so go ahead and blow up he and Emily's social media wall with that. Love you guys. And so proud of how you continue to lead. Happy anniversary, my friend. I had this happen to me, actually. We were loved well in this season. My neighbors uh, found out that my wife and I had had several speaking uh, and training gigs that were canceled in this season. And uh, we were actually supposed to be in New York City right now, teaching and training and speaking and seeing a Broadway show. And obviously that's not happening and uh, they got word of, of this and um, came over and, and they brought a gallon of ice cream and a note over to our house. So just going to be real with you, I went straight for the gallon of ice cream, right? Because you can't eat words. I'm just saying. So maybe you're a better human than I, but I went straight to the ice cream. Cool. They brought us ice cream. My kid opens up the card because apparently he cares more about humans than I do. And he goes to, to read these words, and he comes over to me. His eyes were huge, and he said, there's $170 in here. And I was, I mean, I was blown away. Just blown away. And people would care in that season for us. That in a passing conversation, they would ask God, how do we serve? How do we step in? Guys, if you're serving others, if you're praying for others, if you are going to the next level to care for other people beyond yourself, keep it up. That never goes out of style. 
People are looking for humility. People are looking for empathy right now. Paul's saying more of this, more of this. From a jail cell, he doesn't know what's going to happen to him. House arrest, death row, who knows what's next? And he's saying, humble yourself, serve, look beyond yourselves. We need this message right now. Prison epistles, quarantine chronicles. We need a message from those struggling worse than we are because there are always people struggling worse than we are. And hear me right, you've lost something. I've lost something. But other people can teach us about gratitude and humility in this season. I love how he says this. Don't push your way to the front. Don't sweet talk your way to the top. Put yourself aside and help others get ahead. Don't be obsessed with getting your own advantage. Forget yourselves long enough to lend a helping hand. Can we forget ourselves and our situation and what we've lost long enough to lend a helping hand to other people? And I love what's happening on, on social media right now. I love the stories that I'm hearing. I love things that people are doing, but I have this fear that when things go back to normal, when, when we have our security back, we have normalcy and rhythm back, that we'll just go back to the same way of living. But we have this example. If we are a follower of Jesus, we have this example of Jesus who lived this out so well. Guys, we have this model. Paul says this about Jesus. When the time came, he set aside the privilege of deity and took on the status of a slave, became human. Having become human, he stayed human. It was an incredibly humbling process. He didn't claim special privileges. Instead, he lived a selfless, obedient life. Then he died a selfless, obedient death. And the worst kind of death at that, a crucifixion. If you are looking for a humble, empathetic leader, you found him. His name is Jesus. Now let me tell you this. Every leader and every friend will disappoint you at some point. I can promise you that. And Jesus will not. If you want to be more loving and more humble in the season, and I will raise my hand first, I do. We need to look to Jesus because see, the essence of Jesus will rub off on us. When, when culture isn't saying, I'm hurting and everything's hard, it kind of goes back to whatever normal is going to look like, which isn't going to look like what we've known before. But when we go back to some kind of normal and we forget this, the, the good ideas and the thoughts of, of joy and of, you know, quarantine hashtags and all that goes away, if we are people of Jesus, we will be left with the most humble, empathetic leader who has ever walked the earth. And I hope that essence just rubs off on us, just gets into our bloodstream. Jesus will not let you down. Now, I understand in this season, um, while I'm here in an empty room, which is so strange, and you guys are there at home, in this season, I realize a lot of people uh, maybe just won't think about church much. But I also realize some of you watching this wouldn't walk into a church building. And let me just say, I'm so glad that you've chosen to tune in for a few minutes or for our time this morning. I'm so glad you've chosen to tune in. There's a spiritual curiosity. I think God is stoking a lot of people. You are not the only one. We're so glad that you're watching. But what's interesting right now is I coach a lot of leaders, a lot of pastors, a lot of kingdom leaders, and we're kind of asking this question, is quarantine stifling the message of Jesus? Because we can't get in the same room together and because the church doesn't look like the church normally does and gathers and lives and breathes, um, 
is quarantine stifling the message of Jesus? And I want to tell you, no, it is not. I'm hearing stories of a deep hunger and a spiritual curiosity and people watching online that maybe normally wouldn't have, asking questions, people coming to know Jesus. And what's interesting is that Paul is answering the same questions the Philippians have. Now, now that our leader, our stud, is in prison, is this going to kill the gospel? Paul says this, I want you to know, my dear brothers and sisters, that everything has happened to me here has helped to spread the good news. For everyone here, including the whole palace guard, knows that I am in chains because of Christ. Because of my imprisonment, most of the believers have gained confidence and boldly speak God's message without fear. Boldly speak it without fear. In another paraphrase, it says this, I want to report to you, friends, that my imprisonment here has had the opposite of its intended effect. Instead of being squelched, the message has actually prospered. Instead of being squelched, the message has prospered. Although we are scattered, God is doing something unique and something special right now. And I, I think it has a lot to do with those three words right now. I don't know. The things we thought we were in control of, gone like that. Gone like that. Things we thought we had under control, suddenly we don't. Governments don't know what to do. Health systems don't know what to do. We are in a season of I don't know. And I do not want to go against the grain of what God is doing right now. I want to lean in and say, guess what? I take joy that I don't know most things in my life. And here's a belief that I have. I can't back it up in scripture, but, but I want to say that I believe God had to quarantine Paul. He had to put him on long boat rides. He had to shipwreck him. He had to put him in prison cells so that he would write half the New Testament. Think about it. If he weren't in house arrest right now, would he have written this message to the Philippians that now millions, millions, billions of people have read and been encouraged by? I don't think so. It's as if God is saying, I will do what I will do in your life, Paul, so I will get the fruit that I want to see out of your life. It's just a crazy kind of mind-blowing thought is that if he wasn't in quarantine, is that if he wasn't locked up, he wouldn't have had this and we wouldn't have these words today to look at. I want to challenge you this week to fill in this blank. Despite blank, I will choose to be grateful. Despite blank, I will choose to be grateful. Despite economic losses, despite my kids driving me crazy, sorry kids, just being honest from a parent, despite the end of my kids' school year getting canceled or graduation or senior year or spring sports or all those things that are hard, their emotions are feeling and grieving, despite the normalcy, despite the trips, whatever got canceled in your life, I will choose to be grateful. That, that in the midst of those emotions, let me remind you, you can have different actions. And let me say, guys, what our world is not looking for right now is people just like, it's all good, man. Everything's fine. Everything's great. It's not. It's hard. Our world is not looking for fake plastic smiles for the people of Jesus right now to say, yes, everything's fine. We haven't lost anything. Our world is looking for people that should act like losers to act like winners. 
It's looking for people who have lost to sacrifice. Looking for neighbors who are hurting to actually serve other people in the midst of that. That's what we're looking for right now. And we've got an opportunity, guys. We've got a moment. Quarantine's been hard. COVID's been hard. There's been all kinds of new things we've had to react to. There's been loss of life, loss of businesses, a lot of people struggling right now. And, and I want to acknowledge that. But let me just say the effects of quarantine and of COVID, I am grateful for in my own life. I needed to slow down. I needed family dinners. We needed some rest. We needed to drive less and commute less. We need to be reminded we have enough. God has given us what we need. I don't need more stuff. I don't need more activity. I don't need more action in my life. I need to hear from the living God. I will treasure these moments, guys. I will treasure these moments where I can sit and say, God, I have less control than I thought. I'll go on a walk. I'll go outside. I'll hear the birds chirping. I'll see the sun coming in through the window. I'm grateful for things now that I didn't even see before. Maybe before food was a problem, right? Oh, how do we get this food down my kids' throats? And now we get to sit there over dinner. It's hard, but I'm grateful. Guys, we can choose to respond in this season. And I believe this, how we choose to respond right now will define our next decade. You're saying, whoa, that, that sounds big. It is big. How we choose to respond right now, I believe will define our next decade. Guys, you got to remember this. If you are a parent, our kids will be raising their kids and they will be inside on a snow day and the snow is falling and they will say, kid, let me tell you, there was this thing called quarantine. This is nothing. One snow day is nothing. Like years from now, they're going to look back and see this moment. Guys, don't miss this moment to hear from the Lord. Don't miss this moment to say, you know what? The things I thought were so important aren't quite that important. There's hard emotions, but let me say the actions can speak of a God that can help us win even when we feel like we're losing. I've lost things, you've lost things. I was gravely disappointed for three or four days and I grieved that. I grieved all the losses. And I'm so grateful for what God has done in me in this season. Guys, I just want to remind you this. In a me-first culture, we're longing for others-first people. We're longing for humility, for empathy, for people who, when they are down, choose to get up, for people who have hard, hard things we are processing, we are grieving, we are losing, to say, I am still grateful. You want to know countercultural? That's countercultural right now. Whether you're sitting on the couch, sitting over a meal, watching this later on your phone, I'm going to challenge you into gratitude. I want to be another's first person. I, w- I want to continue to live humbled. I want to learn to say, I don't know, and smile through it. I want to learn to say, I've lost things, but I will choose to be grateful for what I've been given. Let's pray. As, you, as you're sitting on the couch, you, you may open your hands. Maybe you're sitting at the table. You also may... Just kind of open your hands and say, God, I receive this. And I just want to pray this into your home, this prayer into your life, this prayer, you know, kind of through this screen right now that God would speak what God wants to speak right now. God, I thank you for these people scattered and yet strangely through technology gathered together. 
God, your people all over the world, would we become known as others first people in a me first world? May we choose gratitude when we have lost much. Many people watching have been devastated and lives and businesses and schedules and routines and trips and the joys of life have been squelched and yet your message is not. God, you speak through the noise. You speak beyond Twitter feeds. You speak beyond news tickers. You speak beyond what governors and presidents say. And I just have to believe that you're in this, that you're doing something, that the message is not being squelched. And God, would your people become a generous and a gracious people in the midst of this? Would we be known for our humility, that we just continue to serve, we just continue to love, to realize that joy is not a byproduct of a perfect life, it is a byproduct of choosing to love. And may we love well in this season. In your name, amen, amen. Thanks for joining us today. It's been awesome. Continue to live well. I'll continue to pray that prayer over you this week.